Hello and welcome to the Seed e-learning podcast. My name is Rachel Wilder and I will be your host for this podcast where we focus on all things e-learning in Seed. Today I am joined by Matthew Sanderson who is a teaching assistant in Seed and we're going to be having a discussion about keeping students engaged whilst delivering online learning. Hello Matt, how are you? Yeah, hi Rachel, uh, good afternoon and uh, thanks for inviting me to come and Come and have a chat with people. It's uh, it's quite a good opportunity for a TA to uh, to share with you our experiences from kind of the other side of the classroom. <laughs> it's always interesting to see how there's all those different perspectives as well. I think um, later on we should probably try and get some students involved as well, just to kind of hear about what their um, perception is as well, um, and see see if um, there are some common common beliefs at the end of it. So to start, can you tell us um, a little bit about the subject that you teach within Seed? Well, I work um, in the Department of Planning and Environmental Management, which is where I'm also completing my PhD. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've worked as a TA on various modules, but most recently I've been working with Dr. Joanne Tippett on a couple of her modules. That's Designing for Sustainable Futures, which is um, undergrad first year module, and Planning for Environmental Change, which is basically more of the same. And that's um, a master's level module. So it's talking to um, talking to our various planning and environmental management and development and real estate students, all about issues of sustainability, of resilience, of uh, creating um, well, developments really, uh, property developments, land developments that are going to be able to stand up to the future climate and do it in a sympathetic way. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've... I'm trying, I'm thinking about changing career now. <laughs> um, so to start off with, um, in us moving to online learning and now uh, dual delivery, um, could you tell us a little bit about your perspective of student engagement with teaching and how you found um, getting that engagement with students um, from, the, from the TA perspective? Well, working as TA, I, I tend to see, uh, I tend to encounter students quite often in a, a different light to the lecturers anyway. Often I will see them either in workshops or in seminars and occasionally on field trips and rarely, rarely do we see them in lectures. Um, and for myself, because I'm, I, I don't beat about the bush, I am disabled. I have, sometimes I have limited mobility issues. The move to uh, online learning actually made it very much simpler for me. I was able to sit at my desk here in sunny Cumbria, and today it is sunny. It's not raining, um, unlike Manchester quite often. I uh, say blue skies today, blue skies. There you go, there you go. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm able to sit at my desk at home, and I'm able to talk to the students and um, listen to the students often much more easily than I, I can do on campus. That said, uh, the, the, the move to online learning has not been without its challenges. Um, TAs we've found have been involved much more in the lectures, the delivery of lectures, as well as seminars and workshops, um, especially when you're dealing with a large class, of course. We know that Zoom, you really need somebody there to look after breakout rooms, to monitor chat, to make sure that everybody's in the right place to uh, 
to prompt the next speaker to have their slides ready, to, uh, to make sure that the right screens are being shared at the right time. And um, with a class of over 100, it's, uh, that's not something you should put on the poor academic. <laughs> you quite often want a, a TA or similar who is uh, willing to engage with the, the software, be it Zoom or Teams or whatever, and, and really give them the support they need to deliver a, a good lecture. So that's, I've actually spent a lot of the last year doing that. Um, I, I jokingly call it the, the Zoom director, um, but it feels like that sometimes. You know, it, it feels like you're you're running the software equivalent of a three ring circus, just trying to keep everybody focused on the right screen at the right time. So, in that respect, TAs have had a different role to play this last year, which has been uh, it's been an enjoyable experience, I'd say, for me. Though I I know others have not enjoyed the software so much. Yeah. Um, but we've also found, of course, especially working with breakout rooms, that some students around the world will engage. They will be proactive. They want to speak to their peers. They want to um, take part in group work. Others, uh, and why, I, I can only speculate, um, but others won't engage. So you might um, ask half a dozen students to go to a breakout room. And out of them, say, two or three will not turn the cameras on. They will not turn the microphones on and you'll have no interaction. So from our side, it's been trying to find ways to encourage everybody to, um, to take part in, 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 these, uh, in the breakout rooms, for example, in, in the, the joint learning sessions, trying to encourage them to engage and, and quite honestly, making sure that they're there and listening and alive. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you would come to the end of a two-hour session, everybody else has logged off, and there's half a dozen blank screens um, staring at you. And on one notable occasion, I left my computer on for another hour, and two didn't leave. In the end, I kicked them out and closed the Zoom. But you, know, you, you do wonder. Um, you do wonder. But it may be that, for example, they have limited bandwidth, or it may be that they are not comfortable with sharing the microphone. And I can understand that. So, uh, you know, we don't judge, but sometimes it does seem a little peculiar. <laughs> do, you, do you notice it as, um, so at the start of the semester, it's, there's, there's a lot more nerves from the students. And then as the semester kind of continues that their confidence increases and that they are more likely to engage or is it kind of across the across the semester it's the same students popping up some students will never engage and it's just the same um, I, I know this from my experience in uh, in seminars and classes some are happy to sit there like the proverbial sponge they'll soak in absolutely everything they'll learn everything and they'll say nothing others want to question everything want to discuss everything, want to develop their ideas with you. And others, again, will be somewhere in between. So there will be some who you will never hear from. And they will never, for example, on Zoom, turn on the microphone or turn on the camera. Um, there are others, as I say, you, yeah, they're there from day one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to observe. And, uh, but I'm, I'm not in the... Um, I'm not in more of the social sciences behavioural side of things, so maybe my colleagues over there could tell you more about that. <laughs> it's interesting. I was, one of my friends is um, he's a sixth form teacher and he teaches psychology, 
and he always can say like there's that awful open zoom up and just a wall of blank and just no students and it's just he said that it's interesting when you get that first student and it's that coaxing out that first student on sir oh, cutting on their camera and then as soon as the second one comes in and immediately the camera goes switch off he's like no 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 I saw you there I saw you there for a second come on join us come on join us but obviously it's completely different to getting a sixth form student engaged to getting a university student engaged that's a bigger a bigger leap to try and get them to get them to turn their cameras on so but I, I understand as well, staff, staff don't like to have their cameras on sometimes as well, do they? So how we can tempt staff out as well as students out would be interesting. So <laughs> this, this being an audio podcast, uh, the listeners won't be able to see just how much I'm grinning as uh, listening to what you're saying. But I, I've literally just come into this session from uh, working with a school in Rochdale. Um, they're taking part in an arts competition to deliver a, a mural to COP26. And having spent an hour, albeit virtually, in a class of year nines, I have a, a lot of respect for teachers nowadays because it's very, very different to the way it was when I was. Um, but no, in, in um, being a little more serious, uh, the big thing that I found throughout the last year is more than ever before, it's important to break up what we do. Um, you've got to break it up into bite-sized pieces. It's got to be digestible. Nobody wants to sit on the bum in a lecture hall for two hours and just stare at the board. Nobody wants to sit in front of a screen for two hours. You know, you, it'll give you a headache apart from anything else. Uh, you, you need to break it up. That's not to say it needs to be simplified, whatever you're delivering. It doesn't need to be simplified, but it does need to be in, um, as the BBC say, bite-sized chunks. Uh, I volunteer as a scout leader here at home in Cumbria. Uh, not every week. I don't quite have the, uh, the strength of, uh, of will to be able to do it every week, but I, I do volunteer as a scout leader. And in many ways, speaking to young scouts, the, the beaver scouts, six or eight year olds, or speaking to the cubs, eight to 10, or the scouts who are 10 to 14, the explorers who are 14 through to 18, or speaking to the leaders, or speaking to students at university. There's actually no difference. As long as it's digestible and as long as it's broken down, you'll, people will stay interested. And and that's it. It's, that's, that's the simplest thing we've found this year is keep it digestible. Do you think that there's, so like we talk about um, how we link this through to like video podcasting and things like that and how we make these videos available online of like the lecture capture and things. And it's, it's interesting. I remember seeing an academic in FBMH and he, when we moved to fully online learning and it was, he took all of his videos down from the last couple of years and he redid them but he redid them rather than hour long lectures. He re-recorded them as 20 minute or 15 minute bite-sized chunks and made those available to the students. As like you say, to have them as that bite-sized, those really quick little videos, just explaining the concepts to them. And then um, was able to discuss them in seminars afterwards. I think that's a brilliant idea. If you have the time to do that and um, you have the, uh, the, the the patience to sit down and re-record everything, um, what in some cases already for some people, I guess, would be very good recordings, then 
yes, that is great. But there's nothing to stop you either. If you have a very, very good recording, there's nothing to stop you breaking that into pieces or even just um, providing that recording with a list of times. So say from the beginning to five minutes, I was talking about this from five minutes to 10 minutes. And if you deliver your online or your dual session with breakpoints, then that will make uh, splitting the video up afterwards much more easy. So I think without a doubt, it's, it's a great idea to keep it short and sweet, but there are different ways of doing it. You don't need to, don't make, need to uh, make a rod for your own back. How would you, because I've been doing these um, familiarization sessions with academics for dual delivery. And one of the questions that came up quite a bit was how can I use breakout rooms? Um, do you have any, any tips for, for our listeners about how best to use the, to use the breakout rooms? Well, over the last year, we've used breakout rooms a lot. Um, I think my colleague, uh, Dr. Tippett, will speak to you on another occasion about using her Ketso um, engagement toolkit in breakout rooms. But we've also found that uh, if we, we've used Padlet a lot, and we've used that to encourage the students to uh, share, their, share a screen, share their thoughts, uh, to correlate their thoughts so that they can come back to them later. Uh, we found that to be very, very useful indeed. We've always had a, a lead, if you will, for each breakout room, um, a facilitator. Uh, so one student, they can be randomly chosen, or we can um, pick on somebody. Um, I we wouldn't do it by name, but we'd say, for example, the person whose name is first in the alphabet. Um, we can't quite do tallest to shortest as we would at Scouts because they're not all in the room with you. And when they're all sat down, they look the same. But uh, no, you, you would um, nominate a facilitator at the start of each uh, breakout session and you would encourage that person to proactively encourage their particular room to engage. We've also found that at the start of each session, and it doesn't have to be for every single breakout room, we might have three or four in a two hour session. But in the first breakout session, that can be as much as anything about introductions. And you prime them with a few questions. Where are you from? A good one is what can you see out of the window? Um, one that we, uh, we tried, though actually we thought afterwards maybe we shouldn't is, would you like to share a picture of what's out of your window? And then we realized actually in some countries it might be frowned upon to be <laughs> leaning out of the window with a camera. So we had to stop doing that one. But, uh, but no, it's what do you think about this? Or I don't know, what did you have for breakfast today? Something like that. It's start with a simple inane, inane uh, question and it gets the students talking to one another. And we've found that to be very, very effective. And actually a lot of them have commented that by starting with a simple introduction in the first eight breakout room, they're more inclined to keep talking afterwards. Yeah. Do you think as well it helps as well from in saying, okay, this student A, you are going to be the person that leads this breakout room. It takes it takes the ownership onto the students as well, and it helps them engage a bit more because they feel that they've got that responsibility as well. I would I call it a responsibility? It's it's a tricky one. It's 
it's about encouraging them to encourage one another. It's about teamwork. It's, it, you can have a team with a leader or you can have a team of equals. It's, it's not about necessarily uh, asking someone to be the leader, but just asking somebody to say, well, on this occasion, could you just encourage your, your peers um, to take part? Or maybe the facilitator could be the person who shares, for example, the Padlet screen and acts as the scribe. So you might say, well, who's got the fastest connection or who's got the most reliable connection here? Your camera always comes through. We can always hear you. Maybe you could facilitate for this question or this, this session. So there are different ways of doing it. You know, if, if, if we were running a quiz, for example, and we did that at Christmas uh, with one of the CDTs, Centres for Doctoral Training, we had a team captain for each team. And there you, you may have a little bit more of a leadership role. But now in, in, in more of the kind of the traditional teaching and uh, learning setting, it's, it's really just about having somebody who is going to... Uh, politely encourage their peers to take part if they're a little quiet or, or to give them that space to, to, to maybe give the quieter students the opportunity and the, uh, to facil facilitate their ability to say something. Do you, do you think student engagement has improved then in recent years? Or, and how best then do we engage with students and encourage them to participate? I think over the last year, we've all had to, uh, from... TAs up through academic staff and senior leadership even, we've all had to change and up our game at how we engage with people. I mean, from my side of things, uh, because of where I am as a TA, obviously I'm not leading modules, I'm just there working in support of someone. I spend a lot of time looking at different software opportunities, looking at different web-based tools, for example, how we can engage. I, it rather helps that the, my, my PhD is around community engagement anyway. So I spend a lot of time looking at different mechanisms and different approaches for how to talk to people, how to listen to people, how to work together, how to encourage people to work together. Um, I think we've definitely got better at doing it online. Uh, I hope, I think, I hope some of the skills that we've established online will transfer definitely to dual learning and hopefully we can take them forward into the classroom um, going forward when we become fully face-to-face -face once more if that ever happens um things and it's simple things like say mentimeter and i know we have other software that the uni likes personally i love mentimeter because it has a brilliant word cloud um, functionality and quite often when students start using the word cloud I'm not saying you lose control of the conversation, but conversations can go in some very interesting ways that you, you might not have expected. You might suddenly see that actually a lot of students have an interest in one thing that you hadn't thought of. So you have that using the technology you're engaging straight away. But at the same time, you're reading the room, you're listening to what everybody says. And if you can do it on the fly, you can just change direction a little bit and uh, without losing where you want to go with the with the session, you can incorporate a little bit of what people want to know as well. So I, th I think we have definitely got better at listening to the students in real time. And I think we can carry on taking that forward. Yeah, 
I think it's it's interesting. So, like I say, I've been doing these familiarization sessions for dual delivery, and we've been working with student ambassadors for the first time to help us deliver on the training. And it was really interesting to me to hear the students just how confident they are at saying to the academics, no, we'll tell you if we can't hear, we'll tell you if we don't understand something, we'll tell you if if anything's up, we'll we'll tell you about it. And I think that took the some of the academics back a bit that they were like, oh, I didn't think that you'd engage that readily. And the, the online experience has, um, in some ways, it's become a more personal and one-to-one uh, learning experience. When you have your lecturer in front of you and your your screen at home, it almost feels as though they're speaking to you. And whilst you might not necessarily be able to cope with every single person in the Zoom room asking a question at once. Every single person in the Zoom room can send a chat straight away. And if you've got one or two TAs there sitting watching the chat, you can get through a lot more. And especially if you've got one or two TAs who are good on the subject as well, which we've had on a couple of occasions. And how this goes forward in dual learning will be interesting. Um, I, actually, I'm quite excited about it. I think it's going to be quite good fun. Um, I know some people are a little terrified of the technology. But I've worked in a career for the last 30 years that has required us to use a lot of technology, albeit a very, very different sector. But I've, I've always worked with computers and technology and quite often quite cutting edge stuff in terms of data processing, video recording, so on and so forth, data transmission. So for me, this is just another toy and it's something to play with and get the most out of. And I think it's going to be good fun. And I, I think if we go into it with that, that kind of approach, you know, you know, that, yeah, let's enjoy this. Let's let's get a bit of fun back into what we do. It's going to be really successful. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think I've seen um, so I've kind of seen from both sides now. So I've seen where our PGCE academics have been. Kind of play, playing with the dual technology as well and like figuring out how they were going to teach. And it was really interesting for me to see the academics in the room arguing with the academics online. And it was, there was there were lots of big conversations going on and it did feel, it didn't feel any different to me. It just felt like everyone was having a conversation. So then in delivering this, this dual delivery training um, with Stuart Phillipson, it's been interesting for me having 10, 10 academics in the room, but then 40, 50 academics online. And it's it's a little bit weird. The first couple of weeks are a bit weird, just kind of going between the two, making sure that you're spending a nice equal time between between the two groups. But it's just second nature to me now. It's just, I'm kind of expect to always have one person in the classroom and people online. That's not any different to me now I think it's it, that great big unknown I can completely understand why it's this great big unknown but I think I think it's it, it's very quick to adapt to I think as well so I think you just have to be open-minded to it so yes I think I think you're exactly right we've got to be open-minded um, you've got to have a team even if it's only two people you're going to have to have a team yeah yeah it's we, we can make it, we can make it what we want. And I think it can be fun, but at the same time, it can be a valid learning experience for the, uh, for the students. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I hope that um, I hope that you'll come back when we have the uh, podcast with Joanne, uh, where we're going to talk about um, the Ketso boards, which were um, I've got to play with uh, before. They are fantastic, fantastic pieces of kit. Um, so thank you. Thank you to Matt there for a really interesting chat uh, about student engagement. I'm sure we could talk, talk for a lot more on it. Um, so uh, you can find out more about this topic and uh, so much more by visiting our humanities pages, uh, which includes our best practice resources and is full of information from the e-learning team in humanities. Uh, there is a link to this from the notes section of the podcast, where you can also subscribe to this podcast and you'll automatically get the latest episode on release from wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, finally, if you liked this episode, tell other people about us, or if you have any ideas of things we should be covering, get in touch with us. Uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, see you next time and stay safe.